shit, it's the coin toss. One surprise topic off the rip, two sides of a coin. Let's get it, Trey, heads or tails? Let's go heads. Well, that probably sounded real bad. It's tails. All right. Is, uh, am I am I getting it or is I, or is John getting it? Ooh. Oh, spoiler! John's here. John's here. Spoiler alert! John's here. Right. John, I, John, it. you was, win the coin toss. I was going to give it to John. All right. Give it to John. Well, in the spirit of John being here today, I have a three-sided coin, and you're oh, on the clock, yes. John. Yeah. Oh, my fucking favorite. It I is Trey's that. favorite. You are on the clock in a super flex league mm. in the late eighth round. Mm. You are between three choices here: Pat Fryermuth. Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones that I see you laughing, Tark. I'm just laughing, trying to think about what a three-sided coin would look like. <laughs> what what does a three-sided <laughs> coin look like? I was like, oh, could it be a triangle? Then it's like, no, you no. can really have like a three-dimensional, no. like three-sided coin. No. It's just the Trey, Trey, you're the engineer here. <laughs> it's abstract art, man. It's more it's, of a uh, cylinder. It's right? your fucking it's like imagination, man. It's a uh, one of the edges is round. My mind's eye is just like deep and trying right, to figure out what it looks like. Let's try this again. You're on on the clock at a Superflex League, late eighth round. You are between Pat Fryermuth, Aaron Rodgers, or Aaron Jones. John, who you got? Oh, well, I'm definitely taking Aaron Rodgers because, you know, New York, New Jersey, <laughs> wherever he's at. Garrett Wilson going for the Super Bowl. He's going to retire. Give me that quarterback in the eighth round. Give me the championship year one. And then I'm just going to peace out of this dynasty league. Y'all have fun in the next few years. <laughs> That's good. Trey, why not take a turn on this three-sided affair? All right. So this is a Superflex dynasty startup yes. draft. Okay. And it's Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers, and who? Friar Yeah. Yeah, the who okay. is right. Yeah, buddy, this depends on league scoring, like roster size, like all of that stuff. Um, but with just assuming, I don't know, like we're Assume starting regular. 10, re- OK, regular uh, something resembling a league I'm currently in. I don't hate Aaron Rodgers. I feel like that makes sense. Um, I do you think Aaron Jones is kind of underrated, though, but I, I'm not going to say him over uh, Rodgers. Um, I guess for the sake of arguing here, I'll go with Fryermuth just because I think that he's going to actually have the most long-term value and we can, and I'll take the edge on uh, youth here in a dynasty startup. All right. Well, Tarek and I took an hour and a half to figure out the answer to this question because these were the three players we were between in our most recent startup. Oh, Tarek, take it away though. Yeah, we did end up drafting Aaron Rodgers uh, as our QB3. We already had Patrick Mahomes and Geno Smith. So even though we could have filled a flex spot with either Friar Muth or Aaron Jones, we went ahead and went with the positional value there uh, in the Superflex League. My perspective, um, and for anybody who's in that video games league that's listening, shout out to y'all. It's been a really fun draft. Um, But my position here is that we might see Aaron Rodgers get a hard knocks bump. That's one thing. Um, and then also, I just, I, I'm kind of seeing a, a Tom Brady esque resurgence for him in New York or in New Jersey. Excuse me. I'm, ho- I'm hoping for that. Um, and yeah, I think Aaron Rodgers probably had his worst year last year with Alan Lazard as his wide receiver one. I think better things are to come with Garrett Wilson and Alan Lazard as his wide receiver two in Jersey. 
Well, no love for Aaron Jones on this podcast, I guess. I'm, I am I agree with Trey. I think Aaron Jones is underrated right now. I still think he's really good, but he is 28 going on 29 in December. So hard to pull the trigger in the eighth round of a dynasty startup. He can be underrated and still not be as valuable, I think, as those other two guys. And and I don't hate the Aaron Rodgers pick either. It's super flex dynasty. So yeah, I've get that quarterback. But yeah, long-term uh, Fryermuth probably is going to be a pretty stable tight end option uh, yeah, for years and years. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Fryermuth. I'm just worried about his upside. He's like a good, not great athlete. Um, you know, in his first year, he benefited a lot from the 20 red zone targets from Ben Roethlisberger shot putting the ball like three feet uh, in the red zone to Pat Fryermuth. Last year, he only had two touchdowns, both of which came from Trubisky. He's still waiting on that first touchdown with Kenny Pickett. Obviously, that's going to come, but I'm, I'm a little worried about his ultimate upside as like a, a tight end one that's a difference maker for your lineup, even in tight end premium. So I, 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 we will talk about tight ends on our next episode, but I don't know. I'm, I'm a little worried about Fryermuth. I feel like I was bullish on him all offseason until now. Well, when you compare him to the other positions, I, I think it's fair because he's one of those like high floor, low ceiling, probably type of players. And plugging that into your lineup isn't always like there's just no upside, in my opinion, at this point yeah. in the draft anyway. Give me Dulcich two or three rounds later. Or Okonkwo, baby. Chiggy chig. What the fuck is going on, everyone? Welcome into episode 90 of the Long Game Dynasty podcast, a roundtable discussion about Dynasty fantasy football. I'm your host, Tarek, angry T. Benchwia, and with me, rarely, John Alexander, Trey Krein, and Mitch Yates. I can't even say as always anymore, John. You know, I, it hurts me to say, and we love you, and you're always part of the TLG family, but... It's been a while. So what is going on? Uh, you know, uh, I've been just avoiding y'all as much <laughs> as possible. Uh, Smart. But y'all keep dragging me back. So, uh, you know, it's been good. It's been good. I've been watching a lot of football, uh, you know, European football. But, you know, I feel like I'm ready for this episode. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I, been... I, I got a shout out. I got a shout out real quick. I'm sorry. Uh, one of our, my co-manager in TLG4, Pat, just had a baby this week. Pat, you're probably up with this baby right now, two in the morning. And if you're listening, let me just say, I hope you really regret all the mistakes you've made in your life. <laughs> I mean, congratulations <laughs> on the baby, Pat. Yeah. Shout out to Pat uh, in several leagues with us. Very cool dude. Big Michigan State fan. Um, so hopefully you're equipping your baby with some some green gear. Mm -hmm. uh, congrats, Pat. I always uh, love the phrasing, Pat had a baby. Like my first thought is always like, "Ooh, sorry, Pat." <laughs> not because not because your wife had a baby, but be because because you had the baby, not because you have a kid. Yeah, sh shout out to Pat's wife. Yes. Uh, yes. By the way, that's always important to remember. Uh, so yeah, love to you as well. All right, well, uh, let's get into this dynasty fantasy football content. Um, I, I guess Trey and Mitch, usually I say what's up to y'all, but we wanted to focus on John here. So fuck you guys. Heard. Let's move on to uh, our one news item for today's show. And that is DeAndre Hopkins 
Nuke Hopkins decided to sign with the Tennessee Titans. Uh, looks like the Titans gave him the most money. I think it was something like two years, $26 million with incentives up to $32 million. Obviously, you know where I'm going to go with this. Mitch, you are our Titans Homer Simpson. What do you think about this signing for Dynasty? And if you want to th- sprinkle in a little a Titans-isms in there as well, that's fine, I guess. I, I like how you didn't ask me how I'm doing, but then you asked me how I felt about the news today of the Titans signing DeAndre Hopkins. So I'm I'm doing great, man. I absolutely love this from a Titans fan perspective, but I obviously don't much care for this for a Dynasty fantasy football perspective here. So I did warn our dear listeners of the possibility or like probability rather of nuke signing like somewhere less than ideal. So you're caught holding the bag. It's really not the end of the world, though. I, I think more than anything, though, I, I think this is good for Tannehill. I really think that he's going to be a low key, high end QB, two, And I it's one of those situations that raises all sales here. I, I think this makes the offense better. It takes less attention from Henry. So if you have a piece of that Titans offense, I would be excited. If I had Nuke, I'd probably be less than excited right now. Okay. And Trey, what about uh, Traylon Burks? How are you feeling about this in relationship to uh, the second year wide receiver out of Arkansas? Well, I agree with uh, Marles there about this probably lifts all the boats. But if there's anyone who this isn't going to help, at least immediately, it's probably Traylon Burks. Uh, It's probably good for him to have like this adult in the room to learn from, like one of the best receivers of his era, Mm -hmm. Uh, hopefully being, you know, a mentor and, and some providing some guidance to Burks here. Uh, I don't think there's a ton of upside for Burks for this season. Like Marl said, there's not a ton of passing volume typically in this offense. Uh, I don't really hate the landing spot for Hopkins. I think for for Burks, at least, it's probably going to be at least next year, like 2024, before we really see him reach you know any type of ceiling. But he could still take strides in this offense. I don't think D-Hop uh, necessarily cancels that out. I just think he probably caps his upside in 2023. We did talk about how this may put Traylon Burks in the slot where he belongs, though. So it could be good for him. My perspective on Traylon Burks this whole offseason is that I don't really know if he is any good yet. Like last year, he was um, a part-time player. Then he got hurt. Um, He only had 54 targets in 11 games played. But his yards per route one was 1.96, which is really respectable for a rookie wide receiver. Um, so he's, you know, I think there's 1.38 yards per team pass attempt. I, I think there's some reason for optimism here about Traylon Burks. His reception perception profile uh, was not very favorable, but like Mitch referenced, uh, Matt Harmon kind of chalks a lot of that up to him playing an X position where he really succeeded in the slot and in the backfield as a college player. But like I said, I still don't know. Like I'm not ready to say Traylon Burks is bad or he's good. But the important thing here for me is, is that DeAndre Hopkins should not get in the way of us finding out, right? If DeAndre Hopkins comes in and he takes a 30% target share, that's fine. If Traylon Burks is able to, you know, get in the 20 to 25% range, put up respectable route uh, yards per route run numbers, put up some respectable efficiency, you know, have a kind of breakout 
you know, maybe that's not as good as Devontae Smith or T. Higgins, but in that neighborhood, then I still think there's plenty of room for us to find out if Traylon Burks is good. And for dynasty purposes, you know, obviously for redraft, I'm not looking to invest in Traylon Burks. For for dynasty purposes, we just need more information here. Yeah, I want to talk about real quick the the other guy that is greatly affected by the situation, and that's uh, William Levis, bootcut Billy. I think now for sure we're going to probably <laughs> – I think now we're probably going to see him next year instead of this year. I think that the Titans are going to stay relevant long enough to have Tannehill in for the most of the season. Um, at, there's no pressure on them to plug in uh, Levis at this point. I think that, you know, you ride the Tanny wave. All right, moving on to our main content today. So we've talked about wide receivers and quarterbacks as we've refreshed our rankings throughout the summers, uh, throughout the summer, and now we are going to get into the running back position. So uh, all of us refreshed our running back ranks for the first time in a year. Um, so we, you know, have some things to talk about here. Uh, and the first thing, you know, as we have been, we'll start at the top of the board. And, you know, Bijan Robinson, rookie running back for the Atlanta Falcons. He's the consensus running back one. He's been the consensus running back one all offseason, even before he was drafted. So I don't think there's really much to talk about there. Um, you know, if you're at the end of the first round and or you have the 101 in a rookie draft, like Bijan Robinson is the pick. I, I mean, there's no debate. So I just want to skip over it and let's discuss who is in that tier two and how you're parsing out that group of players, because it kind of seems like there's a consensus tier two here. So John, who's in tier two and how are you ordering it? Yeah, I, I was pretty intrigued to see the four of us basically had the same four guys in this tier two, um, Brees Hall, CMC, John, Jonathan Taylor and Jameer Gibbs. Um, and that's pretty chalky, I think, but I think I saw Saquon maybe in the market, uh, is tier two as well for some folks. So, uh, we're pretty in line with what most people think. Now, uh, there's some disagreement within that tier two for us. Uh, so I'm just going to talk about who my RB two overall is, and that's Jonathan Taylor. Uh, this time last year, he was consensus RB one, um, and, we all remember what happened in Indiana last year. It was, uh, it was, it was terrible. It was a garbage fire, a tire fire, if you will. And, uh, he only scored four touchdowns. And so since then he's kind of dropped off. And I think there's a perception that the addition of Anthony Richardson is bad for Jonathan Taylor. Well, I think those two things, um, I think Jonathan Taylor do for some positive regression touchdown wise, maybe on the order of eight or nine touchdowns this year. And I actually think Anthony Richardson, Richardson is a good thing for Jonathan Taylor. I think he's going to be a good quarterback. I think he's going to run. He's going to be able to open up running lanes for Jonathan Taylor. So I expect Jonathan Taylor to be a little bit more efficient now with Anthony Richardson. And I expect him to score a few more touchdowns. Now, maybe he loses some in the goal um, along the goal line because of Anthony Richardson. But again, positive regression. I think he's going to get more than four, eight or nine. So... Uh, really saying Jonathan Taylor is my RB2 is kind of a bet on Anthony Richardson being good. Uh, so that's that's where I'm at with that. And then um, 
at the bottom of my list is Brees Hall. And I noticed you all kind of had Brees Hall a little bit higher. So I was going to let somebody else take that one. Yeah. So let me uh, pick up Jonathan Taylor first, because I'm probably the hater of the group here. Uh, I've got him at four. I was debating between him and Gibbs at four and five. So I think you could really go either way there. For me, with Jonathan Taylor and the rookie quarterback coming in, so the rookie quarterback in and of itself is probably not a great signal for touchdowns in that offense. So, you know, that I think caps the ceiling a little bit there, at least in year one. And then, of course, with the running aspect with Anthony Richardson, then you're absolutely right. Like for the goal line looks, uh, you know, he then infringes on Taylor's touchdowns in the red zone a little bit. Also for just checkdowns in the in the green zone in the middle of the field, you know, uh, Richardson is more likely to take off and run than dump it off to the the running back for that checkdown. So I, I think that's definitely relevant in the in year one in 2023. I think it's probably yellow, relevant beyond that because these two are going to be tied together for a while here. And I think there's at least more upside for me and these other guys. Christian McCaffrey right now is the RB one in redraft and best ball. Brees Hall, I think, showed enough as a rookie to deserve that uh, ranking above Taylor, even with the lingering injury recovery. And Gibbs, I mean, with his draft capital this year, I think there's enough upside with that situation to make the argument for him over Taylor. So um, I definitely in my top five, but I'm I'm a little bit more of the uh, hater compared to you, John. And looks like I'm the, the hatingest then with Jonathan Taylor at number five. But I did draw a line here. He's still part of the, the the second tier, if you will. And so I I'm totally fine with taking him above Christian McCaffrey, Jameer Gibbs, or Brees Hall. I I still like him. I still think he's a good player. And he got banged up last year too. And none of those injuries were like very serious. I think he dealt with an ankle. And I think that people have just not really seen him in a while. And I, I'll admit that I've, I've been fading him a little bit, probably because of that too, because there's not a whole lot of competition behind him as where Jameer Gibbs is going to split some carries with David Montgomery and uh, Brees Hall is recovering from an ACL. And yeah. Yeah. So, Zach Moss I mean, ain't taking shit. That's, that's for sure. <laughs> like, no, like no. I, I'm just echoing exactly what you're saying, Mitch. Like there's no competition behind him. It's like, we afraid of Evan Hall. We're not and Zach Moss. No, like guys, not we're not, we're not worried about the running back room. We're worried about the quarterback. They just, drafted yeah, yeah. Four overall. And, and I, I completely understand that. I, I personally think Jonathan Taylor is not going to come off the field. Yes. Like I agree with Trey. You know, what's interesting is both John and Trey kind of laid out like the prototypical running back crutch argument because it's like on the one hand, you know, a rushing quarterback opens lanes for running backs. And, you know, Jonathan Taylor is the type of running back that can take advantage of those lanes and be really efficient with them, like a supercharged version of Miles Sanders last year. Right. Then the other side of that is a running quarterback doesn't dump it off as much. And Maybe I, you know, I have the same ranking of Trey for Jonathan Taylor at running back four. So I probably lean a little bit more conservative. Like I, I weigh the receptions a little bit more than I weigh the open rushing lanes and, you know, path toward greater efficiency. But at the same time, I just think Jonathan Taylor's really good. Like it's kind of like how I feel about DK Metcalf. It's like I will always be a little bit ahead of market on DK Metcalf, despite his situation, just because I'm like that dude. Good. You know, and it at a certain point, like my like lizard brain for dynasty takes over. And that's why I'm like, 
Whereas me and Trey are both running back four on Jonathan Taylor. I'm like really confident and happy there. And Trey's like, ah, I could put a couple guys ahead of him, you know? So just wanted to kind of lay out that distinction there. I just think um, that that second tier is so close. They're all so close together. And then we're going to talk about this in a second, so I won't go too far. But there, there's a big tier break, in my opinion, after Jonathan Taylor or Christian McCaffrey, whoever after running back number five, I guess. I, I can agree with that. Uh, I think there's a couple guys in that next tier um, that could very easily like vault into tier two next year. Uh, but we'll hold that conversation for now. Trey, I want to talk about Jameer Gibbs. You you referenced him. Um, Jameer Gibbs is pretty firmly in tier two for everybody. Uh, you know, we either have him as high as running back three. Um, you've got him down at running back five, but you mentioned he could rise for you. So what is it in Jameer Gibbs's profile, you know, in his upside that we're so excited about him? Because it's not often that we have two rookie running backs in the top five before they take the field. So Jameer Gibbs, first round draft capital, he was uh, picked like in the middle of the first round by the Lions. So that's 12th a huge, overall, I believe. huge, huge, huge signal for him uh, for his future success. And then. We like what that organization is doing, right? Like they're building around that offensive line. Uh, they're, you know, he does not have a quarterback who's going to take a lot of red zone attention or um, going to be looking to do anything except check it down to him on those uh, sh- sort of uh, like short area passing routes. So um, I-, I think he arguably has the upside of Christian McCaffrey, you know, another like smaller, undersized running back that we saw a couple years uh, come out with similar type draft capital. Uh, similar upside to Austin Eckler, who's just an absolute machine in the passing game. Um, but you know, obviously didn't have that same level of draft cap. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's tons and tons to like here, uh, with him and that, that situation. Uh, I, I think there's a strong argument for him as high as three. Um, the one guy that I'm really uh, like differing from on you guys in this tier is Christian McCaffrey. I'm the only yeah. one with him as my RB two. Um, just because of the upside in that offense, I think this year and next is so much higher than the rest of the guys this tier. I don't think there's much of an argument for him any lower than RB2. Yeah, I think Bijan Robinson, like low-key, might have similar upside to Christian McCaffrey, but obviously it's way less unknown, way less realized. But John, uh, I, I did want to ask you about Christian McCaffrey here because to me, he's the hardest. He's like he belongs in this tier because of how many fucking fantasy points he's going to score if he remains healthy, but it's really hard to rank him in a tier with these guys who are like 25 and under. And most of them are 23 and under when he's going on 28. So what are you doing with Christian McCaffrey in your leagues? I, if I have him, I'm happy and I'm not (laughs) moving him. Like it's not, he's not, he's like, he's a guy you can't move. Right. Like yeah. if he's on your team, that's where he's going to die because uh, he's it's not worth it to you move, to move on. Uh, and when he's on the field, he's going to win you the game. And when he's not on the field, you're, you might lose. So, yeah, I, I think it's if you're a contender and you have any of these four guys uh, and you want to trade them for Christian McCaffrey, go for it. If you're a rebuilder and you want to trade McCaffrey or you're going into a rebuild and you want to trade McCaffrey for Brees Hall, Jonathan Taylor, J- J- Jameer Gibbs, completely fine. I would do it straight up. Yeah, any of them, for sure. Um, 
Sounds good. So let's move on past this tier two uh, into tier three. And if you look at tier three for all of us, it kind of looks like a handful of third year players between Ramondre Stevenson and Travis Etienne mixed in with older, very productive veterans like Saquon Barkley, Nick Chubb, Austin Eckler, and Josh Jacobs. Marls, what stands out to you about this group uh, between about running back seven or six and running back 12? Well, as I alluded to earlier, I think there's a pretty cut and dry tier break here. Tier one, like we discussed, belongs to Mr. Bijan, and then tier two, like we just discussed. Uh, the break is right around right after five for all of us, but uh, for my running back six, it's Ramondre Stevenson and then Saquon afterwards. But um, what I what I've noticed with these guys specifically, I've been in a lot of startups recently, and those tier one, tier two guys are going in the late first and then all across the second round. And then the Ramondre Stevensons, the Etienne's, the Jacobs, the Pollards, the Chubbs, like this chunk here, they're going in like the fourth, fifth, or even sixth rounds. And so I'm finding myself more likely to pass on these top five running backs because of how fall, uh, excuse me, how far uh, six, seven, eight, and nine are falling. So I've found that I'm able to get more value in wide receiver like a Garrett Wilson or a Chris Olave and then still be able to grab an ETN, Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard, you know, that that whole thing. So, uh, yeah, that's that's been my little nugget there in startups. Yeah. And, and Marles, I kind of get where you're coming from on that, because there's definitely some big question marks with each of these guys. Uh, I think if we can you know, take it out of the startup context and kind of go back to um, like, let's say you've got an established league here. Uh, what do you closer. do? Yeah. Well, what do you do? And if, if you've got one of these guys on your roster, I think like, um, I mean, as we get closer to the season, the value is going to go up on all these dudes as people, uh, start, you know, trying to form their contenders over the next two uh, months. Uh, that said, I think, um, you know, Austin Eckler really sticks out to me as like one name who I am much, much higher on than the three of you guys are. Uh, Eckler currently as the RB two going off the board in uh, best ball drafts on underdog. Uh, I don't really think he belongs any lower than uh, RB seven in the dynasty ranks, just because he's going to be drafted by the middle of the first round in pretty much every redraft league this year. Well, that's the thing. And that's, that's what I mean by it's a lot closer. I, I think Mondre, Saquon, ETN, uh, Pollard, Eckler, Chubb, they could all finish top five on a points per game basis. Um, but some of them are very young and some of them are like 27, 28, uh, 29, like even Henry going to be 30, uh, Chubb's going to be 28 and a half next year. Eckler's going to be 29. So the thing right. is like their value, like towards the end of the year and on to next year's off season, um, is going to drop considerably as we noticed this year when we adjusted our ranks, when the Zeke's and the Fournette's and all of them just drop like rocks. So I, I think that I'm factoring in youth, especially in the running back position, especially at this age. Um, so that's why I can justify Eckler out there at like, I think I have him at like 12. But I mean, in redraft, I fully acknowledge that, yeah, he, he should be one of the top running backs taken. Yeah, um, I just moved Austin Eckler up three spots, by the way. Um, I had him behind Nick Chubb, Travis Etienne and Josh Jacobs, uh, but 
just kind of realizing like what he's going to do this year um, and like what he's projected to do as he re-signed that discounted deal in uh, L.A., uh, I'm 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 pretty bullish on him. I'm also similarly bullish on Tony Pollard this year. Of the three running backs that got uh, tendered the franchise tag, he is the only one that signed. So between Pollard, Barkley, and Chubb, who are all in this tier, um, Pollard is the only one that is for sure not going to hold out week one. Um, so that's True. worth at least mentioning right now. And also, I feel like Pollard is going to smash this year. I think they're planning on using him for one year and then you know he'll go sign somewhere else um at the top of this tier for me at running back six is Ramondre Stevenson so I'm pretty heftily ahead of market here let me just make the Ramondre Stevenson case really quick last year 2022 17.3 percent target share that is insane for a running back not only that he was top five in rushing yards over expected and PFF's metrics, and then he was top six in yards created per touch and player profilers metrics. He's 25 years old. He did come into the league a little bit older, but he has minimal career touches in the NFL as well as in college. So I think he's got a lot of mileage left in the tank. You know, Trey, when he was coming out, we talked about him being a 230 pound, like receiving savant with a really plus agility metrics. Um, He's like, you know, in the low end running back one, high end running back two range on market services like keep trade cut. I've obviously got him significantly ahead of that. So I'm just really excited about Ramondre. John, you actually are the low guy here with Ramondre all the way down at running back 16. So can you temper my expectations here a little bit? Yeah, I, and that's maybe less about Ramondre and less about the state of this part of running backs in general. I the the feeling I used to get about tight ends, like tight ends six to twenty, were basically the same person. I'm starting to get that feeling about running backs in this range as well. It feels like going from six to right there, sixteen, it feels like a coin flip in a lot of these cases. Now, uh, to me, I I like the fact that some of these guys like Saquon, Nick Chubb, Josh Jacobs have done it repeatedly. Uh Ramondre looked really good last year. I am not convinced that he's going to be a long-term asset for New England. I think I agree with you. I think he's going to be great this year, but I'm not sold on the fact that New England is sold on Ramondre Stevenson. And I feel like those other guys, Saquon, Nick Chubb, Josh Jacobs, have a little bit more staying power. So I'd lean that way. And in fact, I have personally, I felt like I almost had Saquon in tier one. And uh, for me, uh, obviously not for y'all. And I feel like with the news of today, he didn't sign, uh, he didn't get the extension, and he might hold out. There might be a little discount for Saquon. A lot of people are going to kick him down just a little bit of a notch. So I feel like now might be a time where you can make a move for a guy like Saquon just because of the news of the day. Yeah, that's a good point. For sure. I, I do like that. Um, Saquon is my running back seven. Uh, I'm still really high on him and his talent. Um, I believe he's only 26, so... You know, there's plenty of gas left in that tank as well. All right, let's get into tier three. And this is where you're firmly in running back two territory. So everyone in this range has warts, whether it's age or injury, you know, coming off a really nasty injury or, you know, maybe a bit of a thorn in their side in terms of opportunity. Trey, who do you like in this range kind of between running back 12 and 20 or so, 24? And who are you fading? 
All right, so I'll start with the guy that I like in this range out of this, uh, I guess, tier three group here. So for me, that name is Joe Mixon. Uh, I've currently got him as my RB17, and he's down at RB24 on Keep Trade Cut. Now, I do think that um, I'm reacting early and aggressively to this restructured contract he just signed, and I do think that Keep Trade Cut is going to catch up to me at some point, but he's 27 years old. He should have about two and a half years left. That's what we typically see for Arby's that age. And again, like clockwork, he's projected to give us another low-end RB1 season, high-end RB2 season. So I I think the argument against Mixon, if you ignore the off-field stuff and the contract situation, is that on the field, he did kind of look like he was falling off a little bit last year, but he still finished as the RB7 in points per game with 16 And he was the RB7 in the league in target share with 13.9%. And on top of that, he was dealing with the ankle sprain in week three last year and the concussion in week 11, which caused him to miss a little bit of time. So yes, you know, if I was looking at his explosiveness, like his breakaway run rate did fall off a little bit. He fell down outside of the top uh, 40 running backs in that stat in 2022. But for me, that's why Mixon is only 17 and not higher up the board for me. So I think there's a ton of upside in that offense. It should score a ton of touchdowns. And don't forget that Cincinnati let uh, Samaje Ryan go to Denver in the offseason. So there's some of these names in here, like Javante Williams uh, coming off a massive injury still. Damian Pierce, a day three guy. Miles Sanders on Carolina. That's not a great situation. I would take Joe Mixon over all three of those names, and all of them are ranked higher currently on Keep Trade Cut. Yeah, Trey, I, I can jive with that. I do have Javante Williams and Damian Pierce uh, ahead of him. I think I might change that. You've you've convinced me there. I, I've been rising on Joe Mixon since we started this podcast when he was in the dumpster for me, but he's Mr. Volume on a very good offense, and... Like you mentioned, they let Samaj P. Ryan walk. I don't think that any of the dudes behind him are going to really even fight him for carries. So this year and next, why not? Uh, yeah, I need to move him I, up. I think this is year six of OTA hype for Travion Williams. Who? Um, so, you know, guys, watch out for Travion Williams. He is looking to be a big part of that offense. No, I mean... Look, all of us are a bit ahead of market on Joe Mixon. I've got him at running back 22, which is obviously less aggressive than Trey at running back 17. John's got him at running back 19. And Mitch, you've got him at running back 20. So we are all ahead of his price of running back 24 on keep trade cut. Um, I And I do think a lot of it has to do with the offense, his restructured contract. Like he's, he's gonna give you production this year. I am like worried that if he... I feel like essentially what's happening from a value perspective with Joe Mixon is everybody saw how like inefficient he was last year um, and they're already discounting him. So if he comes in and he has another efficient, you know, half season or so, he might just be dead in terms of like you're you're just going to have to carry that on your roster. And if you're carrying like inefficient volume that leads to a high end running back two season, that might not be a bad thing, right? Well, and at least if you have him on your roster right now, you think you might be contending. Like now is not the time to sell him. Like hold him into the season. Yeah. Fuck Wait around and find a out. Three touchdown game week two, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. You met you mentioned Javante Williams. I am actually the high guy on Javante Williams. I'm 
I'm buying in a little bit to the OTA reports and the the reports that he's looking to be ready for training camp. Obviously, I'm like hedging <laughs> J. that. J.K. Dobbins. <laughs> I, yeah. J.K. Dobbins was not ready for training camp, right? So he did not practice in training camp. He did not play to start the season. So if we see a different story from Javante Williams, then... You know, we you can take that cough and you can, you know, go take it somewhere else. But no, I, th- I think Javante right now, I'm not drafting him at running back 13. I'm only drafting Javante Williams in startups or trading for him when I can get him at a round or two discount on ADP. And in some draft rooms, you can really do that. Now, my perspective is the only thing they've added there is Samaje Pirine, who is like the definition of a jag, but he is a thorny jag. He was a thorn in Joe Mixon's side last year. And other than that, there's really nobody to be worried about. So I think if Javante Williams is practicing in training camp, he starts week one. Um, he's probably a value right now. Yeah, I hope you're right, man, because I've been holding all my shares because I don't want to sell low. Well, so I'm, I'm pretty much right there with market on on Javante. I, I do want to give you guys a couple of names in this range that I'm I'm fading uh, versus some of these other guys. So on the high end, I think uh, Kenneth Walker the third is pretty overvalued right now. Uh, he's currently RB nine on keep trade cut. I've got him about four spots lower. I mean, look, he's a good running back. He had a good rookie year, but Seattle drafting Zach Charbonnet in round two that tells me they want to give uh, him the rookie more passing game work and take some of that red zone look away from Walker. There's, you know, a handful of guys we already talked about, Chubb, Eckler, Stevenson, Pollard. I would prefer them to Walker uh, straight up across the board, and all of them are going ahead of him uh, on keep trade cut, so or behind him on keep trade cut, which that doesn't I, I seem will, right. I will reiterate what I said right after uh, the dust settled with Zach Charbonnet getting drafted there. What does Zach Charbonnet do well uh, he's respected in pass protection. He's pretty decent as a receiver on third downs, and he is bigger than Kenneth Walker. So we'd expect him to soak up some of that third down work and potentially gold line work. That is hashtag not good uh, for Kenneth Walker. All of those things you just mentioned, that's where fantasy points come from. So mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm not happy about that situation there for Ken Walker. I'm also not happy about the situation for Miles Sanders, currently running back 20 on keep trade cut. I've got him four spots lower than that as well. He just looks like the most dead zone of dead zone running backs to me. Like he's a fine average enough player, but that offense will not be good. Uh, So give me guys like DeAndre Swift, Aaron Jones, even Alexander Madison over uh, Miles Sanders at this point. John, what are your thoughts on Sanders, man? You think he's going to get a career revival there in Carolina? Uh, I know a lot of people think he does, but I think we've seen the best of Miles Sanders and it's not great. So uh, I don't, Carolina's kind of where people go to die, isn't it? It's not, it's not that bad here. It's, it's not as, uh, not I as was warm specifically as talking about Marls. Yes. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> I dropped Miles Sanders about two spots in my rankings when I read that he called Andy Dalton a future Hall of Famer. <laughs> that is a quote. John I, dropped him off his roster. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's keep it moving here then uh, to our next topic. And we've talked about a couple of the rookies uh, in Bijan Robinson and Jameer Gibbs. But then there is like a tier two of rookie running backs and a tier three of rookie running backs. Tier two for most people is probably going to be Zach Charbonnet, Devon A-Chain, and Kendra Miller. 
And then that tier three with a couple of veterans in between them is going to be Tank Bigsby, Tajay Spears, and Roshan Johnson. So Mitch, why don't you talk about that tier two of Sharbs, A-Chain, and Miller? Yeah, well, we we talked about Sharbs a little bit. I wanted to talk about him a little bit more because I am the high guy on him. I have him at running back 17. I also have Kenneth Walker down to running back 12, so I'm fading there too. I'm kind of like, I, I think they're getting closer and closer to each other the more I consider the situation. But I don't really consider the situation a bad thing for Zach Charbonnet, like our initial reaction was when he was drafted there, because of what we just talked about. I, I think that he is likely going to get a lot of high-value touches that we've um, discussed on previous episodes. But I also think at running back 17, I, th- I think that he's going to have, if not the same, higher points per game than running back 17. So... I think that this rank isn't even that crazy, but um, yeah, he's got better hands, like we mentioned, and yeah, I I, I have him above Mixon for that reason, Damian Pierce, Miles Sanders, all those guys. So hang on, you're saying that you think he can be the running back 17 this year in points per game? I do. I think like we like we've seen uh, in Seattle, the the revival of Geno Smith. Uh, we also know that Pete Carroll loves to establish it, so. Uh, also consider if Walker goes down, then Sharps might be in like top five fucking territory. Yeah. That contingent upside is, is huge. Uh, just to shout out, well, uh, just to point out his, uh, underdog ADP currently running back 33. So 17 would be, uh, you know, significantly higher than where he's currently going in best ball drafts. But I don't, I don't hate that take. I think, you know, there's a lot of upside with him and, um, yeah, I mean, Kenneth Walker being there doesn't just immediately eliminate, uh, him hitting. It's just, I think caps is ultimate upside any higher than RB 17. It might, it might not though. Okay. So where does a chain and Miller fall in, uh, for you guys? And if anybody wants to take that, I think he's more in the 2024 conversation with all the speculation with Dalvin cook signing there, but mm-hmm. I, I believe in the talent and I, I just, I don't think that you're going to get much production until the second half of the season. I think Mostert and Jeff Wilson Jr. are just like established in that system. I'm not saying that A-Chain isn't better than them, but if you're looking to compete this year, I don't think A-Chain's the guy for that. But I mean, hell, if he's good, he might crack that lineup and be starting and winning you games towards the end of the year. So I'm not out. I have him pretty high. I have A-Chain at running back 23. I do want to say, I think you're overstating the risk of Dalvin Cook signing there. I think Dalvin Cook wants to go to Miami, uh, but he's been linked also to New England and the New York Jets, which also makes sense for different reasons. So um, I wouldn't just pencil him in. I think he wants to go there more than they want him. Hey, I, last time I penciled somebody in, I had Billy Bootcut as a Texan pick two overall. So yeah, yeah. I'll I'll go ahead and slow my roll. But even if he even if he doesn't sign there, he's like it's going to be a committee, no? It's definitely going to be a committee. I I think I hear what you're saying in terms of like what that system, you know, Mike McDaniel coming from Kyle Shanahan prioritizes is knowledge of the system, right? So I don't think we really know yet if Devon A-Chain is going to be able to like grasp that system better than Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert because Wilson and Mostert are like by all accounts, average talents. Like, yes, Mostert's like track fast, but that's about it. 
But what they do know is like what cut to make and what hole to hit in that outside zone system that Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel runs. And if Devon A-Chain can pick it up, like if he is, you know, a heady player that can play in that system, and I think he is, like I think what he showed at A&M is that um, he can be a really efficient zone runner. So um, I'm... I. I would not be surprised if he ends up heading that committee, especially if Dalvin Cook doesn't sign there. But one guy we haven't talked about yet is Kendra Miller. So Kendra Miller, third round pick, went ahead of Devon A-Chain to the New Orleans Saints. Uh, recently got the report that Alvin Kamara um, pleaded to a misdemeanor. That doesn't mean that he's not going to get suspended. He actually probably will be suspended knowing the NFL. Um so, John, where do you have Kendra Miller ranked, and what do you think is his upside? Well, I, I think that the market has kind of already uh, priced him at his ceiling for this season, which is running back 29. I don't have him that far behind there. It's running back 32. I, I see a lot of people assuming that he's going to be the guy that that plays if Kamara doesn't. I don't really think that's the case. I'm still viewing Miller as a 2024 guy mm. in my pricing, uh, in my ranks, I should say. Now, I think that the other running back there is the one who's more likely to get more of the work. So I, I'm not very bullish on Kendra Miller right now. I've got him pretty solidly as a running back three. I've got him at 32. Um uh, I, I, I'm not buying the hype yet just because I didn't really see it before. You know, he's kind of like a late first rounder in those rookie drafts. It's like, okay, this is fine. This is probably a guy who's going to get the work in 2024. It's not a guy that I'm really excited about. I'm excited about the situation. Uh, I just think that right now the market maybe has overcorrected and I, I'm I'm pretty priced out right now. For yeah, and John. To that point, I do think this Alvin Kamara news is probably going to push his value down a little bit or Kendra Miller's value down a little bit. I think uh, until we know exactly how long the suspension, the likely suspension is going to be, we're all just kind of guessing. But yeah, yeah. now I think the sense at least that I'm picking up is that it's probably going to be shorter than maybe we originally thought. I think people were guessing like six, eight games or more. And now I, the number I'm hearing is more like two games. So if that's the case, then... Kamara probably gets a boost and Miller probably suffers, uh, you know, in return. Yeah. Kendra is just a tough nut to crack here because we haven't even talked about Jamal Williams yet either. And I, I think that if it goes full blown committee, the only one that's actually going to benefit from this is Alvin Kamara because he's shown that he can be effective off of like 13, 14 touches. Right. So, uh, Kendra and Jamal probably will, I don't know, I, I think probably cannibalize each other's fantasy value here. Uh, I, I just think they're going to be committee. It's just going to be another committee. All right, John, and I, I see that you actually have Tank Bigsby ranked one spot ahead of Kendra Miller. So, yes. you know, I called it like two different tiers. The tiers kind of run over for you a little bit. So why don't you talk about Bigsby, Tajay, and Roshan? Well, I think the way the market has it is right for these guys. And I would put Miller in this conversation as well. You you could put any one of these three guys anywhere between in your ranks, RB30 to RB40. And I'd say, yeah, that's that's probably right. These guys are worth like a 2024 fourth on, or sorry, 2024 second on the market right now. Uh, and what it's because of what they are, right? They're all backups. 
Two of them got third round draft capital. The other one got fourth round draft capital. The one with the fourth round draft capitals in the most uh, muddled situation in Roshan Johnson. Uh, but I, I, he's the one I probably feel the worst about because I feel like he's probably the third best running back on that roster behind Khalil Herbert and uh, Devon, uh, sorry, Foreman. Uh, so I, I have him a little bit closer to RB40. I liked Bigsby the best. You said I had him above uh, Kendra Miller, and I do because I, I think Travis Etienne's going to have a fine season, but I'm going to trust my eye. The The film that I watched, I think T Tank Bigsby is going to be a really solid backup. Um, and if I was going to make a bet on any of these guys, that's the one I'd want to make a bet on. But it's it's just flipping a coin right now. It's like shoot your shot on the one that you like the best. But at the price of a 2024 second, it's like for a backup running back, I don't really like to pay those prices. So if they're on your roster, great. But I'm not going out and trying to get any of these guys right now. Yeah. So the only one that I'm actually ahead of market on right now is Ty J Spears. I've got him about three spots ahead of his keep trade cut rank of uh, RB 41. I think that there's a slight possibility that Tennessee probably wants to give their 29 and a half year old starter a little bit more reps on the sidelines. And, and then that's why they spent the third round uh, pick on Spears here. Uh, he's got that 91st percentile burst score. So I think he could be pretty, pretty good, even on limited touches as a rookie. So, um, I like him slightly more than tank Bigsby, even though I, I know you referenced his film, um, at least as a freshman in college, it was great. I didn't love how he didn't really seem to really build on that over his time at Auburn. Yes. Yeah, um, but, but John, I I'm completely with you on Roshan Johnson here. I'm, I'm pretty far behind market on him. Uh, there's no way I'm putting him above these other, uh, rookies, which went, uh, in round three, um, he just didn't have enough production at UT behind Bijan Robinson to really merit the benefit of the doubt in my eye. Uh, Roshan Johnson also had some af athletic measurables, which were kind of uh, mediocre 65th percentile speed score, 30th percentile burst. Like that's nothing to write home about. Uh, and ag agreed. I, I think Devonta Foreman and Khalil Herbert are just as good, if not better options for the bears. So um, you know, f not even getting to the fact that the bears probably are like a middle of the road, if not worse offense in terms yeah. of touchdowns. And then you've got the mobile quarterback to contend with too. So, um, I think he's severely overvalued and kind of has been this whole off season, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't hate where you've got, um, or the, where the market's at on Spears and Bigsby. Well, I agree with both of you. All right. Thank, Good. Thank you for your contributions. <laughs> you, you got it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, let's, let's move on to this next topic here, which is going to be targets in the handcuff range outside of the top 35 or so. And rather than kind of respond directly to what Trey and John were just discussing with Roshan Johnson, I'll say that my target here is Khalil Herbert. So I have Khalil Herbert currently at running back 29 and his keep trade cut price is running back 38. So I'm pretty significantly ahead of market. This is no surprise to anybody who's been listening to TLG for any amount of time. I'm a Khalil Herbert fan. Um, last year, when he got the opportunity at the job, um, when David Montgomery was hurt, he was always extremely effective. He was in, and when Montgomery was healthy, both of them were healthy. He was kind of like in that 65, 35% opportunity share role. I would expect Khalil Herbert to come into the season being with Deontay Foreman, Roshan Johnson, the committee leader there. And because I think he's a good player and he's going to run efficiently there in, with Justin Fields. And 
Like Trey said, not a world-beater offense, but an offense that I do expect to be improved with the 10th overall pick going to an offensive lineman with DJ Moore coming into the folds. I'm rising on the Bears' offense just being at least marginally better than it was last year, and I think Khalil Herbert uh, is is going to benefit from that. And his his depressed price at running back 38 on keep trade cut because of the muddled backfield. As J.J. Zacharyson has talked about time and time again, these are the types of players that we want to target in redraft, but also in dynasty. Khalil Herbert, uh, from a yards over expectation, yards created perspective, he's shown it his first two years in the league. He's going to get an opportunity at it, and I think he's going to kill it. I love it, Tarek. I I love it. I, I'm... Similarly worried about that backfield with uh, Deonta Foreman. I think he's going to get a shot too, but I'm I'm a Khalil Herbert fan as well. So hope the best for him. Honestly, sharp GMing there and in that running back room Chicago, is nice. by the way, because yeah, it's it's a running back room that is effective. Like both Deontay Foreman and Khalil Herbert uh, are, you know, rushing yards over expectation darlings. Um, and then you got Roshan Johnson coming in, who's kind of like an all around can can do it player. So they're paying their running backs like a million five total or something like that. And I think they're going to get really great play out of them there. So, John, who is your target in the handcuff range? Uh, well, Marles did an excellent job of already alluding to my guy. Uh, and we were just talking about Kendra Miller um, and it's Jamal Williams uh, right now. Keep trade cuts got him in the uh, 40s. 44. So he, we, we know that he's going to a new situation in New Orleans, but um, I don't think we can deny that he's uh, going to score some touchdowns. I think that's what they're paying him to do. And if I can, if I'm a contender, and I'm assuming that's what we're talking about here, uh, and I can get him on a roster for two thirds, maybe like a 2025 late second or whatever, uh, I think that's a really good value for a contending team. Because um, I think he's going to score some touchdowns this year, and I think he's going to be a decent flex play quite a bit. And I'm not, I'm not making the investment to get Jamal Williams on my roster, um, assuming it's going to be any longer than a year. So if I get if I get uh, two years out of him, that's great. But I think he's worth it to just have him on my roster this year. Guys, I want to say we've been saying this for like two years, though. We legitimately have been saying, "Hey, go get him for cheap for for the past two years." Maybe it's time to just do it. Yeah, Jamal Williams. I mean. Touchdown leader last year, what, right? Well, he's not He's not going to have the year he <laughs> had last not. year. But, of course, there's that contingent upside, right? This is the handcuff range, you right. know? And so I think there's enough question marks with, like, an older Camara and, like, a rookie, you know, Big 12 running back and uh, Kendra Miller to say, okay, if one of those guys missed time, then he could come in and be, like, the lead man in this backfield. Definitely yeah. one of the coolest players in the league. For sure. Coaches love him. So, like, if if the, the opportunity is there, they're going to give it to him. All right, Mitch, who is your target here in that handcuff range, like outside of the top 35? It's friend of the pod, Rashad Penny, baby. Um, So I am notably very high on Swift, finally, but I can fully acknowledge that uh, that Rashad Penny could also be that starting running back in Philadelphia. So, you know, they have um, the the latest reception perception pod uh, put this pretty pretty clearly in a way that I really liked where they have Gainwell uh, as like their safe option and they have um, Boston Scott as their other pretty good safe option. And then you have your two 
uh, wild cards that could lead that backfield in Swift and uh, or Penny. So I definitely think it's going to be one of these guys. And I do think it's going to be Swift, but it could be Penny. And I also want to share of Penny because I, I I think that the upside is just too too much to be taken him at I, on keep trade cut. I think he's like 42 maybe. Um, I have Rashad Penny at running back 35, though, because if Swift ain't the guy, then Rashad Penny might be that top 12 dude that has uh, that he's always had the potential to be. That he's always been when he's healthy. Right. Right. Like when he's healthy, dude is an amazing runner. Um, not much in the passing game. But again, this is Philadelphia. Uh, Jalen Hurts not really going to pass it that much to running backs anyway. Uh, Trey, who is your guy here, uh, in the handcuff range? All right. So I'm, I'm completely with Mitch there. I think, uh, uh, Penny is one of the most elite handcuff options out there. Uh, a guy who I like just as much at his value as Elijah Mitchell in San Francisco. He's currently valued as the RB 45 on keep trade cut. And we've already seen him as a rookie ball out and, and score, you know, RB two numbers per game back in 2021. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, the lead running back there is 27. And for the two years before last season, he missed a total of 24 games over 2020 and 2021. It is not out of the picture that he could miss some more time. And we know that offense is going to be scoring some touchdowns. I think Elijah Mitchell at that value RB 45 is a great, great buy right now. Uh, I've got a bonus name and honorable mention for you guys as well. Sticking with the NFC West. He's not a handcuff, but uh, he's valued in the same range, and that's James Conner, currently the RB38 on keep trade cut. Yeah, I know he's old. Yeah, I know that offense isn't going to be like very good, but he is the best option in that offense besides Hollywood Brown. And, you know, speaking of dead zone running backs like Miles Sanders earlier, there's no way James Conner should be 19 spots lower than Miles Sanders on keep trade cut. So that's just cheap value, uh, and that's easily going to be uh, contending points in your flex spot. John, tell the people uh, how you acquired James Conner today in our TLG2 league. Well, I woke up in a drunken stupor, as I often do, and I was <laughs> like, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to make a move for James Conner, and I offered uh, James uh, Gabe Davis for <laughs> James Conner, and for the first time ever, I've made, and let's just say hundreds of trades, and you all have seen them, not one of you criticized the move. So I took that to be what? a silent compliment. I certainly criticized it. I said I hate both players. Now you're yeah. criticizing me directly though. Normally, uh, okay. right. normally yeah. it's John, I hate this move for you. I love you, but I hate the move. You know and what? Then you go, James yeah. Davis can kick rocks, man. James or, Davis. James. In, in every in every startup that I've either been in or monitored this offseason, when somebody takes James Conner, I'm like, okay, respect. Like yeah, exactly what Trey said. Like he's a starting running back. Uh, cheap points. Hey, John, I like the now, move. I, I let me let me just give a little, you know, love here because Elijah Mitchell. I am the highest on him in our running back rankings. I have him at running back thirty six. He is my priority handcuff. Like he is the guy that I want to target in every single league because his contingent upside is insane. If Christian McCaffrey gets hurt. And even if Christian McCaffrey doesn't get hurt, I think he's got, you know, flex value week over week because they'll rotate him in. Um, Go get whoever the third running back is eventually. 
Yeah, who even is it? Is it TDP? We'll yeah, find it. We'll find <laughs> it. TDP. And no, it's uh, it's Jordan Mason, I guess. Oh, uh, good yeah, that, that must be it. All right, now that we're talking about Jordan Mason, let's talk some deep sleepers to close out the show. So a deep sleeper that you're targeting uh, in your extant leagues, in your startups, et cetera, et cetera. I will kick us off. Another no surprise angry T-pick here is going to be Jerome Ford, who is running back 51 on keep trade cut. He is now with the departure of Kareem Hunt, the primary backup to Nick Chubb, which is a role we know can produce fantasy points, even if Nick Chubb is healthy and has a insane amount of contingent upside, much like we just talked about with Elijah Mitchell. Jerome Ford apparently was such an ace on special teams last year, like that was reported that he was like a great special teams player. They seem to feel comfortable with giving him the crack at the backup job out of the gate in 2023. Um, As we talked about a year ago, I was a big fan coming out of Cincinnati and the price is right at running back 51. This is a guy that you're getting in like the 16th round of startups. He is one of the cheaper high upside handcuffs that you can get. I think he should be closer uh, inside the top 40 than outside of the top 50. My most rostered player, actually, I did a little analysis there, and he showed up at the top of the list. So nice. Hope there you're you right. Go. I do like it. I do like him there. Uh, like like we've seen, Chubb doesn't get all the work, so hopefully he gets some work early. Yeah, I th- honestly like the the flip side to this is I think Nick Chubb is about to have a monster season oh, this yeah. year. I think I think he might get all the work this year, but I'm still investing in Jerome Ford. All right, John, who's your deep sleeper? I'm going super deep. I'm going RB80 range, uh, undrafted free agent out of Tulsa, running back to uh, the Chiefs. And I've never said his name before, so forgive me. Daenerys Prince. Uh, <gasps> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's free. He's free. But I want to remind you all that Kansas City took four running backs on their uh, on their roster last year. And this if if you follow the offseason chatter, uh, Pacheco is recovering from surgery. Jet McKinnon's nowhere to be found since he's 8,000 years old. <laughs> this guy's been playing. He's been receiving passes, and they like him. So what that means to me is not that necessarily that he's going to do anything. He did show really well at the Combine, 441 speed, like 90th percentile athletic score. Uh, but what it says to me is he's likely to make the roster. And you know how people in the Dynasty community are about the Chiefs. Uh, if this is a piece that helps me finish a deal, that's great. Uh, running back for Kansas City, people just start drooling all over that. So I pick him up for free in a few leagues, and maybe it turns into something. Yeah, John, I don't hate this pick at all. I'll admit uh, Prince has not been on my radar whatsoever, so I'm kind of glad that you you brought up the name. I uh, didn't know that about the, uh, the speed score, so that's cool. Uh, and yeah, I love that we talked about Chiefs running backs and nobody even mentioned uh, Clyde Edwards Alaire yet. So uh, <laughs> I know, right? man. I know, dude. <laughs> dude, I, I I'm just reflecting on Jarek McKinnon's career. I mean, one, I think Jarek McKinnon is a great target, like in the 17th round of your startups. Yeah. Um, it's insane. He's 31 years old. He has essentially been relevant in fantasy ever since he was drafted. A lot of that was because he like broke the combine. And remember, like when he was drafted, he was like the guy that was going to replace Adrian Peterson. Oh, I remember our first dynasty draft ever. He was my second round pick and I've been fucking mad ever since. Yeah, that was right after he got that big contract from Kyle Shanahan. You took Christian McCaffrey, in fact. (laughs) <laughs> and and to be fair that was a one qb league so don't let the don't let the listeners shit on you too much for that but just a little bit 
All right, Mitch, uh, we've got a couple more deep sleepers to get through here. Who is yours? I got Zamir White. He was one of my favorites last year, and he wound up with a whopping 17 carries on the year. So uh, dude never even had a single-digit snap share, to, to be exact. But I'm interested because Josh Jacobs, as we know, did not sign his franchise tag, and the Raiders didn't bring anybody in either. So... Uh, sure, Zeke or somebody like that or Fournette could be on the radar, but I do think Zamir White gets more of a chance this year. I mean, hell, Josh Jacobs was the leading rusher last year, so they must be doing something right in the running game. It's not a bad gamble. Keep trade cut, running back 55. Uh, yeah, I like him. Yeah, I I think I have Zamir White on a couple rosters, and you know that's, that's fuck around and find out range, and I'm okay with it. All right, Trey, close this out. All right, I'll go a little bit deeper here, but for the same reasons that you talked about Zamir White, I want to shout out Eric Gray, uh, running back for the New York Giants. He's currently the RB73 on Keep Trade Cut. Uh, like Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley is also a potential holdout risk, uh, which means that there's a window of opportunity that is peaking open for Eric Gray right now. The uh, I think he was a fifth-round rookie out of Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. He had some pretty nice production in college. Uh, He had more than 1,300 rushing yards, 11 touchdowns to go with a 10.8% target share as a senior in the Big 12. So that's pretty good. And that goes along with his 73rd percentile burst score, which is exactly the sort of metric I'm looking for for these late round rookie RBs. And hey, he's only got to beat out Matt Breida for that RB2 job. So even if Saquon is fully healthy and playing this year, Uh, it's not unreasonable to think he could uh, see some upside in that offense. And uh, yeah, yeah. So Eric Gray, uh, New York Giants uh, in the RB73 range. So pretty much uh, free. With you there. Love it. Uh, That's going to do it for our show today. But before we close out, I just want to give a little message to Dalvin Cook. Please, Trey mentioned this earlier. Please sign in New England. What? Sign for the New England Patriots so that your boy Angry T can get some fucking Ramondre Stevenson on his dynasty rosters. Good God, y'all. Ramondre Stevenson on the fast track to being my reputation running back. Ten dynasty leagues, zero shares. I have tried to get him in every single one. Please, Dalvin, sign your old washed ass no just kidding i think dalvin cook is probably still okay but give me an opportunity at trading for Ramondre stevenson do it for time that's how i wanted to close this out obviously dalvin cook is going to hear this you know we're very well respected in uh the football space so everybody's going to listen to this go sign with new england so that i can trade for Ramondre stevenson hey, Tarek, can i give you a little advice here so if you want Ramondre Stevenson on your roster, there's a very simple way to do that, and that's to offer more in your trade offer. If you Here. like him so much, why don't you just offer hey. some more, Tar? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, uh, that's that's fair. Uh, I feel like I've been offering market value for Ramondre mm, Stevenson. See, that's, slight, see, that's the that's issue your here. Mistake, yeah, yeah, see, hey. you, 
You've got to go above market if you're going to want to get your guy here. I, I've got I've got better advice than that. You're a commissioner <laughs> in many of the leagues that I'm in. You could just simply move him onto your roster, and nobody could stop you. It'd be great. Yeah, man. Integrity of the league be damned. <laughs> I definitely I definitely need to like get my Stalin on more often uh, in, in in my leagues that I commission. Right? Yeah. You know, just just make executive decisions that will violently blow up the league. This belongs. <laughs> to the state now sorry <laughs> all right all right on that note y'all. on that note uh i don't know i don't know i feel like i need like a clever communist way to close out the show because i just referenced stalin but uh yeah appreciate y'all for listening to episode 90 of the long game dynasty podcast go trade for some running backs trade some running backs away we'll talk to y'all next time about uh some training camp stuff and the tight ends Power to the people. I I am the walrus. Cuckoo, cuckoo. Nice. Goodbye. Gotta justify. No, I ain't.